Render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar, and to God the things that belong to God. With these simple words, the Lord Jesus introduced a new concept to human history, and it changed the world. The Word of God reveals that those who govern us are not gods, and that the state, however it is conceived and organized, is not sacred. And more than that, every human person has obligations to the one true God that prevent us from giving certain things to any human ruler or state. And thus, a sphere of privacy exists within each man and woman where no earthly authority may tread without committing sacrilege against the dignity of the free person created in the image and likeness of God. The words of the Lord Jesus about Caesar and God were a revolution in human affairs when he first spoke them, and they remain revolutionary today. Every tyrant, dictator, and commissar of the last two millennia has eventually collided with this liberating truth about God and man which is why religious freedom is usually the first target of totalitarians who claim absolute power to rule and to compel obedience to the authority of the government in every area of life, including religion. Totalitarianism asserts that everything is within the state and nothing is beyond the state. And for this reason, there can be no sphere of privacy or privilege of conscience within a totalitarian society for anyone except, of course, the ruling totalitarians. Remember that the next time a Christian is taken to court or loses a job for refusing to surrender to the sexual revolution or the culture of death. And we can see the terrible consequences of restricting or denying the natural right to religious freedom in places like China, Nicaragua, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Canada. Yes, Canada, and Finland, and Scotland, and other Western countries which now treat the gospel as hate speech and seek to drive Christianity from the public square in the name of the false gods of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And please note that while religious liberty includes the right to worship, it also includes much more than worship, including the right to teach and to serve others according to what is known by faith and to participate in the public square on equal terms with all others. But when any ruler or state attempts to compel obedience in contradiction to faith, or attempts to coerce the consciences of believers in political disputes with religion, then Caesar makes himself a rival to God, and the stage is set for conflict. Think, for example, of our government attempting to force the little sisters of the poor to pay for contraception in the health insurance they offer their employees. Friends, here we have no lasting city, and on this earth, Christians are but strangers and sojourners because our true home is the city of God. 
But while we are here, we are also citizens in every nation, and we must cooperate with legitimate civil authority to do everything we can to promote peace, prosperity, and justice wherever we live. And so we render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar. We pay our taxes, we serve in the armed forces, we participate in public life, we join civic groups and political parties, and we obey the laws of the land in every case where they do not contradict the eternal law of God. But what happens when governments make unjust laws? Well, even that phrase, unjust laws, speaks of a law higher than any human law, an eternal law with which all human laws must agree in order to be just. Dr. Martin Luther King appealed to that higher law in his magnificent criticisms of racial injustice, just as abolitionists did in the 19th century in their effort to eradicate slavery, and just as pro-life advocates did for the last two generations in arguing against abortion. Some countries, though, adopt unjust laws which treat some or all people unjustly, such as those in Nazi Germany or in communist China. And any human law which is unjust must be resisted or even disobeyed in order to restore justice. And when that happens, those who disobey must be ready to pay the price of civil disobedience by which we bear witness to the things that belong to God. That is happening right now in places all around the globe with living martyrs like the Chinese businessman Jimmy Lai and the Nicaraguan bishop Rolando Alvarez. In extreme cases, it may be necessary for Christians to surrender our liberty and even our lives in order to remind Caesar that he is not a god and the state is not sacred. And in the first three centuries after the resurrection, the willingness of Christians to lay down their lives in witness to the truth that Jesus Christ is Lord is one of the things which helped the church to grow and thrive despite fierce persecution. Throughout our long history, the persecution of Christians has varied greatly in form and severity according to time and place. Today, in the United States and throughout the Western world, there is little violence against Christians, but there is open hostility to Christianity, which contemporary pagans believe to be a force of oppression and hatred. Moreover, the dictatorship of relativism, now yoked to the toxins of wokery, continues to expand its hold on unbelievers, and sadly, on not a few of the baptized, and even worse, on some of the ordained. And in the years ahead, that hostility to the gospel seems likely to gather and grow with malevolent intent. God be praised, though, martyrdom is not a clear and present danger for Christians in the West, as it is today in so many other places around the world. But the persecution of Christianity is real, even here, and so we should never take our religious liberty for granted. And that is among the many reasons why Christians should participate fully and vigorously in the political life of every nation. Here in the United States, 
Christians must remember that the American separation of church and state is not at all the same thing as the separation of religion from public life. Our founders and framers decided that our government would have no religion precisely so that every citizen could freely and publicly practice his own religion. But for the past century or so, secularists have prevailed in our courts with the argument that the no establishment of religion clause in our Constitution must necessarily restrict the free exercise of religion in the public square. Those who demand that religion must be a purely private affair, like some eccentric hobby, have made that argument because they want every faith to be exiled from the public square and have no influence on public policy. Fortunately, though, in the past decade, significant progress has been made in our courts and legislatures toward redressing the imbalance against religious freedom, which was created by unjust laws and bad jurisprudence. But there is still much more to be done. Such political progress is praiseworthy because it assists Christians in the United States to render to God what belongs to God without interference from Caesar. And it also reminds us why it is important for Christians to be involved in politics. But rendering to God all that belongs to him requires much more than the absence of mere external restraint. A right relationship with God is possible only when we have been freed from slavery to our own sins and have received the gift of justification by grace alone through faith in Christ alone. The psalmist sings today of a right relationship with God for individuals, for nations, and for the whole human race in words that can inspire us. Give to the Lord, you families of nations. Give to the Lord glory and praise. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring gifts and enter his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord is king. He governs the peoples with equity. Friends, we are called by the gospel to render to Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and to God the things that belong to God. And in the end, everything, of course, belongs to God. In these lucid words of grace and truth, a path opens before the whole human race to true liberty in the highest and deepest things of life. And that path to liberty is none other than the way, the truth, and the life. The Lord, Jesus Christ,